We're going to start with the Easter Monday game against Colchester. Oliver, the Colchester fans' assessment was toothless, lacklustre and lazy. The worst away performance of the season. Will Cummins thought it was a disgraceful performance. They were more dead in the sea than on the beach. Colin Higginson hopes this is the wake-up call needed for who we should keep. Mr B simply thinks they don't care. Mason thought normal service was resumed and Joe went with simply crap. Eddie O'Grady thought it was typical complacency, naive and powder puff. Al Roberts said we were beaten by a poor side simply going through the motions. George agrees, beaten by a side who wanted it more. We just sat back. It was all over midway through the first half. Richard Benson thought he would have had more enjoyment cutting a tenner up slowly and throwing it out of his window than spending it on that. Andrew Geddes questions if anyone has confidence in those running the club to turn this around. Standing Alone said two weeks ago we had a discussion on the pod of the worst performance of the season. This was it. On to the home win against Warsaw. Richard Sandlin thought we never looked back from the opening goal. It was a good response to the debacle on Monday. Red Alex agreeing that it was a cracking response to Monday. He adds that Finney may be the answer at left back. Andy O'Neill also mentions Finney having a good game, but wishes we would carry on playing into the second half of games. James was happy with the professionalism shown in the second half, a good display against a poor side. Stephen Tomlinson thinks we're safe now. Rob Murray is pleased with the workmanlike display and the clean sheet, something that a geography traveller mentions too. Great to see Richards get a clean sheet. Captain Britton was happy with the performance, but points out Robertson as being poor. We're short at fullback. Tom Mayle also adds that we were a bit weak when Ainley and Mellor went off. We would struggle against a better opposition. Andrew Whittingham is concerned by the time wasting at goal kicks and throw-ins, adding it makes him not want to go. George thought Brook was class when he came on, and Pablo picks out Finney, Taberner and the ref as all having good games, adding it was Ainley and Ajay's best games of the season. Hello and welcome back to the Railway Men podcast. We've two games to talk about today. The 4-0 defeat away at Colchester and the 2-0 home win over Walsall. To do so, I am joined today by Alex Irani. Hello, Alex. Hello, Stu. Steve Davis. Hello, Steve. Morning, Stu. Thanks for having me back. Not a problem. And Trevor Griffiths. Hello, Trev. Good morning, Stu. Hello, hello. Right, so I'll start with the nice and easy question. All three of you made the trip to Essex on Monday. Was it worth it? No. Kicked off a new ground, so in that respect, yes. The rest is no. I was really hungover from a weekend, like well lethargic, so I thought getting up and about and doing something would make me feel better, and it made me feel infinitely worse. It was dreadful. Um, from start to finish. The writing was on the wall. You know, you get the sense of foreboding with the weather. Just as I was walking into the ground, there was an almighty storm which saturated me. And I thought, if this is a sign of things to come, I'm not in for a good afternoon. And lo and behold, it was. 
we don't want to go into this for too long because I mean it was Monday afternoon, so it feels like a long time ago, and also it was awful. Um, but I'll start with a broad question, Steve. I'll come to you. Uh, I would say before Monday, the worst performance of the season was a toss-up between Stockport and Barrow away. Um, has that now changed? Yes, in in a season of um, dross, largely dross. This was peak peak dross, I think. Um, yeah, no energy, no no nothing, no no commitment. Yeah. All the cliches that were there. It couldn't have been any worse if you tried. I'm not defending the indefensible, but the conditions didn't help. There was a period, there was a, in the first half when it was nil nil. Robertson did a nice little flick, got round a bloke, and he had the whole of the right touch line to run into. But the ball kept on getting stuck in the water. So it meant his pace was negated so someone could get back to him. Um, so the conditions didn't help, but they took the conditions out of play. They had the win with him in the first half. They made use of it and we just didn't adapt. We looked like a side that played three days earlier and had spent the weekend at Jazz Fest. They, they seemed to, it was like they almost had a 10-day rest and this was their first game at it when they were obviously in the same position as us. So I'm not quite sure why they weren't as lethargic. But yeah, it was, it was ranked bad. It was, it was it, it's shockingly, considering, I say shockingly, but considering how bad we've been this season, majority of the time not always there's, there's obviously been a sprinkled in good performance um, I'm shocked it took us to get to Easter Monday for that to be our biggest defeat at 4-0 you'd have thought there'd have been a humping in there earlier on in the season but no we had to wait for Colchester away hadn't won at home since New Year's Day for us to turn up and give them three points in their relegation fight okay Trev I'll come to you um, we've just talked about the weather or Alex rather just talked about the weather there was it that simple? Because for me, I watched the game on Friday, uh, the 3-0 win against Barrow, and then I almost started to believe that we turned a corner. What do you put a performance down to when it when it's that bad? It's difficult. As Alex said, we just didn't turn up. Literally as if there was no energy. It just taken out of them. Whether the same side should have played is debatable. But it all started in the first minute. The ball came to Rio and he just oofed it up into the wind. And he, he seemed disinterested, which culminated in the first goal. And I could see why he didn't play yesterday, whether he was injured or not. I don't know, but that performance would have topped it for me as a manager. There was nobody came out with any credit. Beadle didn't have any chance with the goals. Other than that, he was fine. But everybody else... I'd, um, never in long came on, ran about for 45 minutes and never received the football. It was just, I sat there and after the first 10 minutes, it was just, can I go home now? I'd had a good meal in a pub and that was a day done. It was, it was as bad as it comes. I mean, when we lost at Stockport, they're a decent team. We weren't very good. Barrow was similar to Colchester, but with Colchester's position, you'd have to say that was the worst. Steve, if we can sort of drill down into a couple of the players, I'm going to focus on one of the Colchester players, John Akindi. Um, I'm stealing Tim's stat here, uh, but I think that he uh, he worked out that John Akindi's league goals, 12% of them have been against Crew Alex. Um, surely someone should try and say, He's quite good in the air. He's quite physical. We should stop doing those things that he's good at and then he can't really do anything else. Yeah, look, it's not a shock, is it? As soon as everyone saw his name on the team sheet, you knew 
you know, he's going to be a threat. Um, yeah, he does always seem to score against us. I actually thought he was more prolific than that. Yeah, I thought he did well at Lincoln, but um, he can't be that good if he's playing for Colchester. But, yeah, I think we made him look like prime Ronaldo, didn't we, on Monday? The first goal was a joke. I mean, he had the freedom of Essex. Um, and at Rio, obviously, there was the, there was the was he fouled, wasn't he fouled? Okay, it wasn't given. But he got fouled or not fouled in their box. All of a sudden, the fella just charged forward. No one decided to engage him. And then Robertson and Thomas just didn't really fancy going back and getting goal side. He couldn't believe his luck. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I remember the cross came across. I was like, why is there no one within 10 yards of him when he's in our six-yard box? Seemed a bit bizarre. Um, and then and Boldy could just tuck it past the goalkeeper and Beadle was thinking, who on earth are these pillocks I'm playing in front of me? Um, and then, you know, he managed to get another. And it's just, I'm, I'm I'm fed up of him. He must be close to retiring. Surely I'm absolutely fed up to the back teeth of John Akindi. Wherever he's gone, he scored against us. He's boring. Yeah, the thing is, though, after about three minutes, he was blowing through his backside. He was knackered. That's why he took so long to celebrate, to get his breath back. He could hardly do anything. It was bizarre. And like you say, nobody should be stuck on their own in the six-yard box. But offered, whether offered should have gone across when Man McDonald half-heartedly went to engage. I don't know, but it was just... Akindi was... You wouldn't be frightened of John Akindi normally. They, they, they brought him back especially for that game. He hadn't played. Just, yeah, first game for a little while because... He scores against crew. It's it's the same every time we get anyone with a bit of power up front. They always seem to score against crew. I don't know. I haven't got any stats to back that up. It's just a it's just a, a, a yeah. loosely formed opinion. And then a goalkeeper making his league debut. Didn't know till half an hour before the game. And lo and behold, we had one shot in the 80 plus minutes. Bizarre performance. You you'd have thought, at least we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see what this young lad's like. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I think Aji in the first half beat two men and then just hit somebody in the box instead of finding one of our players. And that was the highlight of the first half for us. Second half, there wasn't any. That was the thing, though. We had that in the first half with Aji. We'd done nothing, but it was nil-nil at the time. For the first 25, I think it was 25 minutes in, it was still nil-nil. And we he sort of did that little waltz through. He got through their defence rather easily. If he cuts it back and finds someone... Out of nowhere, we're running nil up. And then you've got a side, it wasn't one of Ainsley's news days, I've said, who are banging a relegation battle. It's a completely different game. As soon as you gift them two goals in four minutes, it's exactly the Philip they needed. And our players just thought, oh, we've got nothing to play for here. Are we really going to bother to fight and get back in? And then the answer to that was no. And it just got went from bad to worse. And they've got them backed it up with a win at Salford. You can guarantee they wouldn't have got that win at Salford if they hadn't won 4 nil on Easter Monday. Exactly. Okay, I said I wasn't going to spend too long on the Colchester game, so I just wanted to, I've got a couple of points I want to make and then uh, I'm going to move on. Steve, um, as well as losing 4-0, we also lost a couple of players that game. Uh, James Beadle, it sounds like he's gone, he's out of the season now. Um, fingers crossed we might see him again next year, but you know nothing confirmed or anything like that yet. Uh, and Conor Reardon also out injured as well. A couple of bad players to lose, those two. Yeah, um, I was thinking when the Chaps were talking about the first Colchester goal. Did a rear and go enough have an impact on that? Probably not, but yeah, I think he's obviously going to be missing for the season. But the the big ones, obviously, Beadle. Um, I've seen him today in the boot. It doesn't look great. So I think Bal said just today he's going back to going back to Brighton to get treatment. So 
but hopefully it's not the last we see of him. And yeah, hopefully we can get through the next four or five games. I would personally play Tom Booth um, in the next four or five games. I don't maybe a bit different at Orient on Saturday, um, but I don't think we've got nothing to lose by chucking him in. Um, if he's going to be anywhere near our first team at any point, then yeah, why on earth not give him a go? I don't want to go too much into goalkeepers. Obviously, that gets a lot of air time on this <laughs> pod. Um, but yeah, for me, I'd, I'd more than happy to play Tom Booth for the next few weeks. The other thing that I would say is, obviously, you three were all there. You were at Colchester. At the end of the game, Lee Bell did something that I would not have expected. And personally, I found a bit strange. Um, Alex, do you want to allude on that? Yeah, it was it was it was a bit odd. I mean, he he didn't do something similar at Gillingham, but after the Gillingham game, he came over and he gave it the all. I love you. I effing love all you. All seventy of you, whatever. What fans? Blah blah blah. And then after the after the Colchester game, he's come over and he started. He brought the players along with him, and then he's just put his hands up, going, "My fault. It's my fault that. It's my fault that." It's just a bit bizarre, and I don't get what he was necessarily trying to achieve. You know. You know, I like Lee Bell as a person. He's clearly got the club's best interest at heart. There's no doubt in that. But he just needs to... It's almost like he's managing with emotion. And the more he does things like that, the more you're like, it's a fan in the dugout. Like, what... what You wouldn't find professional managers going around doing those things and like, almost like back-to-back away games. It was just very odd. I don't really get it. Because actually, all right, the criticism you can make of Bell is he maybe should have freshened it up from Good Friday. Baker Richardson's had a long-term injury, playing him twice in four days. Is that wise? Only making one change and playing Robertson at right-back when he's incapable of playing right-back, that's probably questionable. But the players were the ones that deserved to be hung out to dry on Monday because you can't really criticise a manager who's picked 10 of the 11 that won 3-0 four days earlier. So it was just odd. I don't really get it as well. Was he trying to... Is he? Trying to get the fans on board? I, I, I don't know. Trev, I think I agree with Alex. I think I, I don't really blame Lee Bell for that because, you know, he's picked the same players that have won 3-0 the game before. It's, it's, it looked to me like it came down to players' attitude and mentality going in. Yeah, it, in that game, I, I'd agree with that. But, if you know, we'll talk about Walsall later, but their fans was chanting, you don't know what you're doing yesterday. So... I wasn't sitting there thinking, Lee Bell, what do you think you're doing? It was the players, what do you think you're doing? It it, it worked. It's a double-edged sword for the manager, isn't it? He picks a team. If they lose, he gets the stick. If they win, the team get the praise. It, it's it's really weird. But I, I don't think, as Alex said, coming over and saying it was his fault, the players' fault at the end of the day. They're the ones playing the game. He picks them. He He does all his work to a certain degree before the game. In the game, can he influence it? Yeah, he can make his substitutions or whatever. But it's down to the players to put a performance in. And I don't think any of them can come out and say, well, I give 100%. They might have thought they give 100%, but they certainly didn't. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a bit strange because Graham asked him after the game, obviously, what he said, and he admitted that it was on him, but then he didn't really go into any detail of, of why why it was on him. And, it, it makes you wonder what's gone on between sort of the Friday and the and the Sunday before he travelled down. Now whether he's given them some time off on on Saturday and you know they've abused that time off, shall we say, at a local festival. I don't know, but it certainly felt that's the way that they played. But yeah, it was a bit bizarre. But what I will say, and, 
and fair play to Bath. I don't think many people notice this. Obviously, he came over on on Monday, but when we won at Doncaster, the players come over to take the applause, and he he made it sort of abundantly clear it was all about the players. He he stood back and let the players take the applause. So, you know, if we're going to dig him out for sort of coming over to speak to the fans and taking it on the chin when we've lost, then, you know, on the flip side of it, he's, he's happy to put the players forefront when we've when we've had a good win. So, yeah, it's not something you really want to see, but you can't really fault him for engaging in the fans, I guess. OK, Steve, I'm going to stick with you, uh, but I'm happy to get input from the other two guys today. Uh, last question. Did Colchester away help make your mind up on any of the players about next season? <laughs> At five o'clock, I would have got rid of all of them, to be fair. Um, yeah, probably. I'm done on Robertson. He, I mean, he's on loan anyway. I thought it was a bit green to start with. Now I just don't think he's a very good footballer. Um, Rio, there's a massive question mark over him. Um, so they, they were probably... Hey, look, you could pick anyone out, couldn't you? It was that rotten um, but those two probably stuck out a bit for me I think well Rio's under contract anyway and I don't think they'll be paying for him to leave so I know people might be fed up with him but I, I, again I think Rio's going through a bad 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 run of form I think he's got the attributes to be a decent league two footballer so I'm not really worried and left backs obviously Pixie was an exception they don't win your leagues they don't cost you leagues um, there's more important positions that we need to fill um, but I think otherwise no, I think Robertson's he can't play a fullback. It's a problem because not many sides play a back three. Um, so it's that that's where it was. It's not really changed the opinion on him. Beadle uh, came out of it with some credit and actually showed some heart because he's obviously clearly injured and I'm not sure we can be seeing him again this season based on what we've heard. Um, so for him to actually soldier through shows there's a bit of character in the boy. So it'd be really good if we can get him back next season. And then defensively, the one that I do think we should be looking at, I thought Luke Offord didn't lead. I thought he was he was pretty piss poor. Um, if we could get a fee for him in the summer, I'd be looking to move Luke Offord on. I think if you can sign Rod McDonald, there's your experienced centre half. You've got Conor O'Riordan, who's only gonna who's only gonna go on and do better. Conor Thomas has got another year, and as I've said on several occasions, he's not a central midfielder, and Monday showed that. Um, so you could potentially have him as one of your centre-halves and you've got Zach Williams coming back in, who they've obviously given a three-year deal to last summer, probably on some decent wages. So you'd have to suspect that he is one um, that they'll be earmarking for one of the centre-half roles. So I think having seen offered sort of down tools on Monday like he did, he's one that if there was a fee, you'd move him on. Rev? And until you know people's contract situations, it's difficult. Nevitt, obviously, is, is still here. So, him and CBR are the two forwards you're going to be playing. We need backup if Angie goes. If Long goes, you need two wingers. We need proper central midfield player, which Tabata probably needs to play a little bit further forward. But I think he's beginning to relish that role. And that's where he played as a kid. Yeah, the Rio's under contract. So, you know, Alex will say left-backs don't cost you, but... They certainly help you at times. But, yeah, it, it, it's difficult. Um, until they come out and say who's under contract, who we've offered a deal to, then it's up in the air, I think. But I don't think one game determines whether you keep anybody or not. I mean, MacDonald was good yesterday, but he wasn't very good at Colchester. So, But he's been consistent all season. 
But he's, he has missed a fair few games. But I think Conor O'Reardon will be the player that will move on eventually because he's a goal scoring centre half. Tabernacle, yeah, I think we'll, we'll be fine if we can get. if Adji and Long are going to be the ones that, you see, I'd keep both of them. You know, people have said, oh, Long's injury prone, but he, he, he's a goal scorer. He would get a fit, Chris Long, with inverted commas, would get 20 plus goals in this division. Adji, you know, if Long's on song and Adji starts as well as he's finished the season, he'd be there, but I don't think either will be here. The Adji one I find perplexing. The fact that you've gone and spent a fee on a player, you put him on an 18-month contract, fine. If you spent a fee on a player, you've got to put something in there where you can extend it by 12 months at the club's option. Because you've, you've spent money, so therefore you view it as an asset. Why would you not protect your asset for a prolonged period of time? I just I, when So that's the thing that's infuriating. If there was an option, we'd be triggering it. Because he's got 13 goals. Without Dan Adji, we're not a football league club next season. Um, so I, I find it perplexing. I'm with you. I'd offer Aji actually a good deal because he is durable. He's played every minute of every game pretty much. Um, so you those sort of players are ones that you want to keep because you know they're going to play. Um, and then the other option with Chris Long is a pay-as-you-play, but I'm not necessarily sure whether he'd take it because someone probably would take a punt on him and say, Do you know what, we'll give him 1,500 quid a week. We can afford it. If it doesn't come off, it doesn't come off. If he does stay fit, we know we've got goals. Yeah, I'd agree with that, Alex. We're obviously going off tangent, but he's obviously Southern-based, isn't he? So if someone's going to offer... We could offer Adji the world. Ultimately, if someone offers him half of that closer to home, then he's probably going to take it, isn't he? So if I'm honest, I think Adji is a lost cause. I think he will definitely be gone in the summer. Um, he'd probably play League One. Um, long... I would keep Long. Yeah, I'm I'm with Trev. You know, fit Chris Long and CBR, then that's half your strike force for next season. And there's there's a lot of goals in them too, if they are fit. There's a lot of injuries in them too as well. Correct. But you would have thought, Dan Adji didn't play a lot before he played for us. And as Alex said, he's played nearly every minute. He's never injured. And he gets a lot of knocks. So that's... He just plays, doesn't he? You, you don't bring him off very often. He's always available. And he lives in Davaland, doesn't he, at the moment? So it'll be where the money goes. Yeah, if somebody goes to Danaji, well, is you double your wages. He's not going to stay up with us, is he? Nobody would. He's a professional footballer. He's trying to earn a living, which is, you know, we can go back to the short career thing, but it's shorter than you think when you're in the lower leagues. Because there's not many that play 15 seasons in the lower leagues unless them days have gone. You look at the teams we play week in, week out, and you don't recognise half the names. The following season, they're not there. You turn up somewhere else, you play 10, 15 games, gone. Because of the academy system, there's that many players about and that many players that leave. It's, you've got to take your chance when it comes along. Yeah, I think ultimately, though... But my opinion is that neither of those players, it'll be up to the club. I think the club will offer both of them a contract. I think they'll both look to move on, um, which is what we're going to do now. We're going to move on to Saturday's game. Um, Steve, 
I'm going to start with you. Before the game, there were six changes, uh, some of them enforced. Richards and Rod McDonald coming in for Beadle and O'Reid and Finney as well, I think, for Rio uh, because of injury. Others were a response to the Colchester game. Were you happy to see those changes, happy to see the lineup? Um, the front ten, obviously, yes. We won't talk about the goalkeeper. Um, no issue in McDonald coming in. He's obviously steady, concrete. Um, a little bit surprised at CBR being dropped. I don't think he had a stick. He wasn't as bad as everyone at, at Colchester, but I think we're just managing his minutes with his injury. Um, never isn't as clearly as good as CBR, but he's more than capable. Um, so, yeah, the, the front ten. I was happy. I was looking forward to seeing Charlie Finney. Um, I know he played for a bit at Hartlepool, but yeah, it's good to see him come back. So I was fairly confident going into yesterday, believe it or not. And Alex, that confidence was uh, quite well placed because Crew scored after two minutes. Yep. It's the sort of goal we usually concede. Um, just an aimless free kick put in the mixer and Concrete got his head on it. Um, it's a daft foul in the first instance, though. Their centre-off, he was absolutely all over Dan Hadji. And he's like, what are you doing? Like, he backed to goal. He's 35, 40 yards from goal on the angle. Just give him half a yard. Why are you trying to sort of assault him? Um, so, yeah, it was a daft, daft free kick to concede. Poor defending, good header. Thanks very much. As soon as we went 1-0 up with their form of 1-20, in 20, the crowd, their crowd were sort of anti the manager. I can imagine it being quite a toxic away end. Um, it was, yeah, almost... It felt like a done deal at 1-0, didn't it, after two minutes, as bizarre as that sounds. Was that our earliest goal of the season? Yes. I thought it was. It, which helped get settle our fans down after Friday. It got them on side quite early, didn't it? So, it helped. I take issue with Alex's aimless ball into the box. I thought it was a decent free kick, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I was probably being harsh. She did clip it in quite nicely into an area that's not particularly easy to defend, but... They should have defended it better. I mean, there was no one within about two yards of him. He just had a well, clear. It didn't really have any pace there. on it, but it, it wasn't it wasn't whipped him, was it? And Rod got in front of his bloke. It was it was put think, in a nice area. To be fair, if you whip it in, I think the issue is to get on the end of it. You'd have to be in an offside position, so you've almost got to put it in with that sort of pace, so you can stay onside and then be able to get on the end of it. So I was probably being a bit harsh mainly there. It was a yeah. he put it in the right area and, and Rob did the rest, which is what Kenny Lunt used to do for Steve Foster and Dean Ashton. It was similar type ball where they they generated the, the pace on the ball. It was in there and they always got... Their manager called out the centre-half after the game. He said he left McDonald. He says, I was screaming at him to pick him up and he didn't. And then he had a go at the Chris. He said he was awful on the long and that's why he upped him. So he, he wasn't very really happy, their manager. It was exactly what we needed. To get an early goal, settle them down against, as Alex said, a side that were one in 19 wins. So it was the perfect timing and a good goal. I'm glad you guys have picked up on the assist. Um, it was by someone who's I've nicknamed Callum out of contract Ainley, uh, because that assist now takes them to joint top for the season with Tariq Wakwe on five. Steve, if you listened last week, you'll have heard Tom Carell's opinion on the new contract. Uh, I think I've given my opinion on what I think for Callum Ainley as well. Where do you sit? Um, forget the football side of it. 
as a human being, Calamani need to leave the football club. Um, he, we have done everything that we can from a football side of him. Um, how old is he? Twenty four. So he's been with the club what ten, probably fifteen years. He knows nothing different. There is a footballer in there, made by Crew Alexandra. So he's a good footballer. He's just not going to make it at the football club. Uh, we can't do any more for him. We even give him the number 10 shirt this year and, you know, being a main man. Yes, he's been injured, but he's just, yeah, I'd say from a human side, he needs to forge a career elsewhere, wherever that may be. And good luck to him. Agree wholeheartedly with that. I think he was a bit unfortunate with his age, wasn't he? Because it meant two years ago, when the contract season came around, he was still 23. So he wasn't eligible to go on a free. So that's why he signed the new deal. I think he's 25 now. He needs to get his move. He's not a young kid anymore. He's got a couple of hundred Football League appearances. There is a footballer in there. You know, we've not been able to get it out of him. Callum's not been able to get it out of himself. A change of scenery is exactly what he needs. I think he'd struggle. He's at that age when, all right, you're getting for free, but there's, are you going to take a good 21-year-old who you can get for free or a 26 who's never really... 25, 26-year-old who's never really established himself. I think he could I think he could be one of those that does see his career out with us. Keeps on getting a year, two-year contracts. Okay. <laughs> For those wondering why we're laughing, Stu's just put his head in his hands and just exhaled with the with the biggest sigh you can imagine. I, yeah. I don't think he will. I, I think as a club. I think I think the general perception on the market is actually crew develop good technical footballers. So I actually think that'll go in his favour when he's looking for it. We're looking for another club. And there's been plenty of players that have left crew and gone on to have decent careers. I mean, Sarsovic is one. I think Chris Clemens came back in the Football League. There's probably others that you could reel off. Shay Dunkley. Yeah. Came back to both Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, but, um, but they were released early, weren't they? They were released early, but I think it's still the perception around the club actually developing players and that people are happy to give them a go. Mm. Yeah, if I wouldn't someone, if, if someone looks at his numbers, if, if you, you go for database or, or yeah, his numbers, he's probably not going to be top of the free, free agents list, is he? Um, but like Alex said, there's still something that is a crew Alexandra footballer, an academy footballer. So there is a some sort of football. At what level? I don't know. I'd argue this. If Ollie Finney managed to get a Football League club, then Callum Ailey should be aiming for one. Granted, there may not be a Football League club come May, but as it, he was signed by another Football League club, that's what Ailey should be looking at. You, so, come on then, who's going to take him? I don't know. I'm not a scout for a League Two well, club. Well, 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 there you go. <laughs> Altrincham. That, that's the thing, isn't it? Altrincham. Yeah, well, if crew offer you your contract, do you take it or do you go Altrincham? Depends what contract offer they're offering. Offer him a contract, should they? They've got uh, to do right about a human being. That that for me like, is is just going to stagnate even more if he stays at Crew. So it's he needs to go and see the big the big wide world of professional football. Yeah, the, the only way he might not stagnate his time at Crew has been littered with coaches who are all from the cut from the same cloth. If for whatever reason there was a change in management and they got an outsider in. I wonder whether a different voice, and what I mean by different voice is not just someone who's been developed at the club, progressing into the first team role. If there was someone who came from the outside and managed that first team, I wonder whether they might be able to get a tune from him because it'll be the first almost different voice he's heard throughout his, in his eight, nine-year career. 
Yeah, it's my only point, concern yeah. is if we do offer him another deal, this podcast will be looking for a new host. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's get back to the game. I'm going to ignore <laughs> that, Steve. Um, the second goal wasn't too far in coming after the set, the first one. Um, I've watched it back again this morning, and it's an awful goal if you're a Warsaw fan to concede. It's a throw-in that three players let go past them, and then Chris Long sort of bobbles it off his shin, curls it around the keeper who dives with the wrong hand. If he went with the right hand, probably would have saved it or got something on it. But Alex, they all count, and this season uh, we'll take them. Yep, as you said, we thought the first goal was bad defending. Credit to Walsall for managed to one-up that because it was awful, wasn't it? The throw from a throw-in. I get why there's a reticence to put a challenge in in the box, but at the same time, don't just let the man run past you. I, I wouldn't recommend that. And then the finish itself was um, deflected into the corner. Um, so yeah, everything that could go wrong for Walsall sort of was going wrong for Walsall. But pleased to see Chris Long back on the back on the score sheet. Um, I thought he was lively again yesterday. So yeah, well played. A bit concerning he came on off, off on fifty minutes. I think hopefully it was a precaution rather than a recurrence. But yeah, rank bad from Walsall. But Long was there to um get his shot away, and he got our ticket to win the raffle. Yeah, I don't think we need to go over it again because we just talked about uh, Chris Long, but if he could stay fit, and yesterday was a good example of both, that if he could stay fit, he would be a very good footballer at this level. But uh, again, he did seem to go off injured. Hopefully, I should say, just a precaution. I do think if he'd have stayed off for 90 minutes yesterday, he'd have had one, another, if not a hat-trick. Because on the break, there were some real opportunities to gallop into empty spaces, which with his pace and his sharpness, you can imagine him just breaking free of the defence and a bit of composure, slotting it home. Um, Brooke obviously had the chance, but you think if that was long, more likely for that to result result in in a goal. But it's Actually, nice that we could make the change, isn't it? You know, we you could take Chris Long off and you can bring on CBR or whatever. We haven't had that um, luxury. We we stuck with uh, a lad that's on loan at Oldham most of the time, didn't we? And couldn't bring him off because there was nobody on the bench. So if if you've got a level of player that you can bring on like CBR, you're always going to have a chance. I actually right. think yesterday the the subs made us. The game was probably done, and, and I might be being overcritical. I think the subs made us worse yesterday, as a, from an attacking point of view. Take out take out CBR, I think, and it might have just been the way that we sort of saw the game out. But I definitely thought there was more opportunities for us to go and get. I think yesterday was ample opportunity to go and get four or five, um, and we can't knock it. Look, we won it. We won the game quite comfortably. I actually think yesterday's sub sort of derailed the uh, the chance to go and get any more. I think he took the opportunity to give people a run out, didn't he? He saw the game as one, don't want any injuries. Kelvin's had an injury. Long was obviously think it, it I think he took the opportunity because I he and I couldn't see them getting three goals to win a game or even two. So I think he just took the opportunity. But as somebody said after when you make that many substitutions after team, it's never going to be the same game, is it? No, I think it was a bit like the Hartlepool game, though, where we went 2-0 up in the first half. They were down to 10 men. Let's go, you know, give the fans something to cheer about. Let's go stick four or five past the team. It's been a real drudgerous season, I'd say. So why not give us, you know, something to, to go to go home with a smile on the face, having stuck four or five past them? 
And it's bizarre, but it does a bit. I mean, I left there, not a sour taste in the mouth, that's the wrong, but slightly underwhelmed, thinking that was two, but that should have been three, four. We could have really put on a bit of a show there, and we didn't. Yeah, there were plenty of chances. I think the one that sticks out is um, when Dan Ajay broke down the left and put one in and Tabernet put it over the bar from about six yards. It was on his weak foot, but we should have had three or four yesterday, I think. I, I don't know. I'm sort of torn with should we have gone out and scored more or was it a nice professional performance? We've kept everyone, hopefully, fit. Maybe Chris Long's an exception. Uh, and we've got three points, which, you know, shouldn't be sniffed at the last couple of seasons that we've had. It was both in answer to your question. It was a nice professional performance, but we should have had three or four. It's it's nice to be talking about how we win football matches, isn't it? Do we see it out or do we go and put four or five past teams? Three points is yeah. three points at the end of the day. Yeah, not a professional performance. Um, Labadee, uh, he came on. I think tw- he was one of the 24-minute replacements that managed to incense a couple of their players and had their fans on the manager's backs. Uh, and he managed to get himself booked twice. Steve, both of them justified, in my opinion. I don't know if you agree. Yeah, I watched the first one back this morning. In fairness, I didn't. I don't think the ref was going to do anything until, and there's probably another reason to keep Rod. McDonald got up into the ref and if it was your way around, we'd probably be fuming, but I don't think the ref was going to do anything. And then Rod had a little word in his ear and said, look, he's been booked. And obviously yellow follows red. And then they, their bench had a fit and someone got sent off the bench. And yeah, so we probably got Rod to thank for that. But it was, a, it, looking back, it was a, he clearly elbowed him and it was, it was another yellow card. So it was the right decision, but it just took a long way to get there. Daft when it when you're on a yellow card, why make that tackle? Didn't make any sense. They're, they're not playing for that. He's going to get sacked, isn't he? I'd be surprised if he's still got a job next week. That that's a team there that we played today that aren't playing for their manager. He wanted to get sent off, didn't he? The way he was when he was playing, he's I just thought to himself, he's looking to get so low, he don't want to be on the pitch. Seemed to me he was but he's he's like that, isn't he, Ladderby? I think he's got that in him. Yeah, it's something Pete Morse mentioned in uh, commentary. He said that every time we play him, he's dirty. And Pete Morse doesn't really say those sorts of things normally. So uh, there's probably something behind that. But yeah, Steve, as you mentioned, assistant manager went off as well. As far as I could see, it was for clapping the referee's decision to send the the player off. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, he booked him. No, well. he booked him for clapping. And then he turned around and Lord smashed a bottle of water um, against the advertising boards. The chap who actually got sent off is Wayne Hatswell. So if you want to YouTube Wayne Hatswell, um, mm. it's not the only thing he's ever smashed. Um, he's the scorer of one of the greatest own goals of all time. But I'll let I'm glad that's where that sentence went then, Steve. Thank you. I was worried where <laughs> it was going as well. That's not the only thing he smashed. I was like, oh, family podcast. <laughs> I apologise. But yeah, YouTube, the own goal he scored. Um, and his FA Cup tie. But yeah, that's... I didn't even... My mind didn't even go there, Alex. He's a terrible man. Um, but yeah, um, he whacked the water bottle. He was sending off. Ironically, he came back into the ground, what was it, five minutes later, we seen him walk back in. So, but yeah, he's irrelevant. Um, but yeah, they, they, they're clearly not playing for the manager. So I'd be surprised if he's still got a job. Probably by the end of today, really. Couple of players, Trev, I want to mention. Charlie Finney, I think that was his first league start. I thought he had an excellent game. Yeah, I'd seen him play on Tuesday for the... 21s, and um, he looked, I think it was his run out for it, 
and he took him off after about 70 minutes, I think, in that game. And I thought he's playing Saturday. And lo and behold, he was there. Whether they, they whether I'm not disputing whether Rio's injured or not, but I don't think he'd have started if he was fit. Um, and I think Charlie Finney, you know, listening to Lee Bell, he thinks he could play further forward, which he has done all his career. He's been a, an inverted commas, a crew 10, <laughs> which we got more than anything else. But he sees himself as a left back. And you can make a career left back if you're half decent, because there's not that many of them about. He's never going to get in the crew 10 role either. You've just given Callum only a seven. <laughs> contract, so. yeah, well, there you go. I'd like to see him further forward. Based on what I saw yesterday, there's clearly a talented player there. I thought he was excellent. I think he's got a good case for being a uh, man of the match. Um, he was he was very good. He looked comfortable going forward. Um, Trev's right. You can make a career at left-back. I think he could potentially look at how... You know, Harry Pickering wasn't meant to be a left-back, I don't think. I think he was bought into the side at left-back with the intention to move him into a midfield role where he'd spent a lot of his youth career. Um but he never, he never ended up going back there. And now he's with Blackburn, high-flying in the Championship. You know, one day you'd think he'd probably get a Premier League move, Harry Pickering, and maybe Charlie Finney's looking to follow in those footsteps. So, yeah, very solid debut. More of the same, please, Charlie. I might be um, being a bit over the top here, but I actually think he's probably technically the best footballer that we've got. There was a touch today, and as a, an esteemed gentleman that was stood, sat next to me, I actually think he stood up and clapped when he took the ball and went past the, was it the right back? And he just, he took it on his back foot and he shifted it past the right back. And someone, someone said to me that it was worth the entrance feel in. Um, yeah. Magic touch. So, uh, yeah. I, he looks, he, he looks a proper crew footballer. Um, I, I don't care where he plays. I'd, I'd get him in the team and let him yeah. play. And when he does things like that, that touch and all that, that's not a left back touch, is it? That's a bloke that you want to be on the ball a lot of possible, dictating play in midfield, getting his foot on it, right, you're going to go there, I'm going to pass it to you, you're going to go there, you know, conduct proceedings. Um, and he did play that, you know, Tabiner and him did play sort of, Finney was in the 10 role, Tabiner was a bit more, was deeper in that youth team side that we had last year that actually went on a decent run and just got knocked out by Leicester. So you do wonder whether you could sort of transition that into the first team, maybe potentially next year. But let's see, if Charlie wants to play left back and the club think, it's a viable option for us and it suits the club, then maybe maybe you crack on and do that. Uh, the other player I think we should mention came back into the team. Granted, there was no shots on target for him to save, but he did keep a clean sheet. Anyone want to say anything about Dave Richards? He kept a clean sheet, well done. If you don't let him touch the ball, he's a good goalkeeper. And that's what we did yesterday. I said to Alex after the game that he could have played in goal yesterday. I was an esteemed goalkeeper back in the day, so I agree with that statement. And it had nothing yeah. to do with, with Walsall. <laughs> no, they, 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 they were a crew shot to high side, weren't they? They, I don't think they had one on target. The lad should have scored. When it got whipped across the box. Yeah, I think he should have scored. Other than that, no. no. Richards was sat in the main stand when that cross came in, but we weren't talking about <laughs> that. All right, I think that will do us for the games this week then. Uh, there's no women's game again this week. So next, we'll turn our attention to the Leighton Orient game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. 
one game coming up this week. And Steve, they don't come tougher than an away trip to, I'm going to say it, the champions-elect. Yeah. Hey, look, they're not, as we speak, they're not promoted. I think they need a massive goal swing to not add the peanuts to their name. Let's hope that they get promoted on Tuesday night and they spend the next four days out in London on the lash um, to give us any hope in East London. Um, I think it's just a case of going down there, getting in and getting out with as less damage that can be caused as possible, I think. Um, yeah, best team in the league. They, they are going to be champions. Good luck to them. Um, but yeah, let's just get this one over and done with, I think. Yeah, by my maths, Trevor, um, they'll probably have done it by Tuesday night. But if not, a home game against Super Alex in 16th place, that's pretty much what you could ask for if you want to get promoted, isn't it? Yeah, you, they'd be sitting there thinking, well, it won't be done and dusted, you know, Saturday come 10 to 5 or whatever. But it's a free hit for us, isn't it? We, we've got nothing to lose. Just go and play. Don't go there thinking, oh, we can... Nick and nil nil or something like that. Just go and have a game. Enjoy it. They'll want to, you know, if they need, I think if you say Tuesday, they'll be, their fans will be, you know, up for it. The team might be relaxed and we can play some football. Just have a game of football. Don't worry about it. Yeah, in theory, it should be a good game of football. They are. They come to us in the cup and they, they murdered us for 60 odd minutes with the ball. They, they were the best team I've seen with the ball this season. So, we like Trev says, yeah, go and give them a game. There's no no reason why we can't, you know. Yeah, not not necessarily go at them, but yeah, let's play some football and when Salford give us a game, you know, it it was a bit of a spectacle, wasn't it? So there's yeah, absolutely yeah. nothing. There's absolutely nothing to lose, is there? No. Like literally, you say this, oh, you've got nothing to lose. Well, actually, you've got three points to lose. Three points. We're mathematically safe now. We're not getting in the playoffs. We've got literally nothing to play for. So let's go out there. Let's express ourselves. You know, if we can get Olicek fit, let's get Olicek on the pitch. Let's get Charlie Finney on the pitch. Let's get Tavern on the pitch. You know, let's give these youngsters a game. Let's give some players who are likely to be here next season on the pitch. And let's see what they've got about them. It's a good test to give you a barometer of, right, these are the league leaders. Where are we at in the grand scheme of things comparatively to them with the players we've got next year? Spot on, Alex. Okay, uh, I'll finish there then. I'll finish as ever, Alex, with the score prediction. 3-1, Leighton Orient. Steve? Yeah, I was going to say 3-1 as well, yeah. And Trev? Yeah, I wouldn't go far away from that. Brilliant. Okay, next week's pod's going to be great. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, I got up with the Orient Outlook podcast to hear their thoughts on what has been quite a successful season. So I'm joined again by Steve from the Orient Outlook. Hello, Steve. Welcome back to the podcast. Oh, thank you for uh, welcoming us back on your fantastic podcast, Stuart. Lovely to be back. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I'll start with a nice, easy question. This season's gone OK, hasn't it? <laughs> uh, this season has been amazing, uh, Leighton Orient. I mean, in our um, pre-season podcast, I, did, I said we'd get top three. I felt good about the season. We made good signings. We've kept uh, our best players and... You know, Richie Wenners had done really well at the back in the last season since coming in. But um, I had no idea what the season would hold in terms of how well it's gone. We've been absolutely phenomenal. I mean, 
41 games played, only lost five. We've kept 23 clean sheets in that. We've seen some of the most incredible goals I think I've ever seen as an Orient fan. I think this season's goal of the season contender. There's about eight goals in it that would normally win any season hands down. So we've been treated to um, some fantastic football, some phenomenal results. Richie's done an absolutely amazing job uh, with the players. There's about six or seven players who've had the seasons of their lives. And I think our player of the season uh, poll is going to be a tough one um, to get right because there's so many players who've done so well. So in terms of the season, yeah, absolutely incredible. I mean, with five games left, we only need a point. Uh, and on Tuesday, we could actually win the league if other results go our way as well. And, you know, for an Orient fan uh, from five years ago, when we had just gone down to National League, it's been an incredible five years. And yeah, this season, um, to get back to your question, has been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, there's a couple of things I'm going to touch on uh, with my questions. I'll start with the first thing you just mentioned, the defence. I had a little look. You are not one of the big scorers in the league. I think you've scored 56, which is the same as Stevenage, one more than Northampton, but it's less than Carlisle, it's less than Mansfield, it's less than Salford. But what I did notice was you've only conceded 27 goals in the league this season. That um, that must be, I don't know whether you want to disagree, but that must be the basis of where this has come from, this success, the defence. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, whenever the defence or the um, keeper gets interviewed, they always talk about um, pressing from the front, and Richie's always talking about that. So, each man on the pitch is always pressing. It's it's driven from our front line um, all the way through to the back. But, you know, I think we've we've got the best goalkeeper in the league. It's been quite a talking point on the podcast, actually, because a few end-of-season polls already coming out. And Vigru in that uh, in goal isn't being selected in any team of the season, which is quite um, strange for us. So Gab Sutton, a friend of the podcast, a very, very well-respected um, journo, has put um, the Bradford keeper. Uh, in his team this season and that actually was one of our talking points from um, last week's pod I think Vigru's had an amazing season yes he's got a great defence in front of him but he's made some vital saves at some vital times and his distribution is normally spot on which puts us on the way to the attack so Vigru in goal has been fantastic Omar Beckles at centre back has been a rock we got him um, from yourselves actually um, two years ago uh, at times can be shaky but in terms of his organisation and the way players play alongside him and the confidence he brings to the team. He's been an absolute rock and uh, he was suspended uh, in December and that coincided with a bit of a downturn in our fortunes. And since he's been back, he's been absolutely phenomenal. He's been outstanding. Tom James at right back has scored some incredible goals. Uh, has actually been out of form for the last couple of months. So it's good to see him on the score sheet yesterday. Left back with Rob Hunt and Jaden Sweeney. Uh, you know, they've been competing for that position. Jaden Sweeney is nominated for EFL young player of the year uh, for League Two. He's been fantastic. He was out of the team yesterday um, as well. He's been phenomenal. Uh, and at centre-back pairing, Ed Turns came in from Brighton in January. Uh, young defender. We When we signed him, we was all a bit like, mm, not sure about this one, but he's been phenomenal. And Dan Happy, who's been injured since, I think, November, December, he's adding the season. Hopefully be back, maybe for the crew game, uh, as we welcome him back for injury. So our defence has been um, phenomenal, but also they've been protected by Darren Prattley, and Idris Mazzuni in midfield. So we've got some real hard workers, but Richie's work ethic and what he demands from his team, whether you're a centre-back or a centre-forward, is you're always pressing, always fighting hard for the team. So yes, collectively, you look at the defence and go, that's a strong defence, but the defence throughout the team has been, um, so it's been quite phenomenal. And you mentioned high scorers. I mean, our actual high scorer in the league, I think it's Paul Smith. I think he's only got nine or ten goals. So we don't have like an Andy Cook, for example, who's kind of almost pushing Bradford towards that, you know, that playoff automatic spot or uh, 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 this 
Stockport striker who always scores Madden. Madden. We don't have a centre forward like that. It, goals are coming from Paul Smith on the wing or George Moncur's attacking midfielder. Our three forwards, Dryan and Satiria and Kelman. I think Satiria's the highest scorer out of all of them and he's only got eight goals. And three of those came over Easter weekend. So we don't have an out-and-out uh, striker who's getting the goals, but they're being mixed from all areas of the pitch. And yesterday, Kieran Sadley scored his first goal uh, for us. Great free kick. And some James shipped him with another sensational goal. So we seem to have goals from all over the pitch, but driven by a very hard work ethic in defence. Now, you've got a game on Tuesday. We don't. Um, you're away at Gillingham. We've sort of talked about it briefly. Do you think anything will have been decided by the by the time crew turn up in London on Saturday? I hope so. It'd be nice to go into a home game without having anything to play for. But, I mean, Gillingham's going to be a, a hard game since the turn of January. They've been um, one of the form teams of the season. But I think we'll, I think we'll do enough to get a point. I mean, we've sold out our allocation uh, and got more tickets to sold that out. So there'll be 1,500-plus O's fans there rooting the team to victory on a Tuesday night. It'd be lovely to do it um, against Gillingham. So I think going to Saturday, I think we'll be there. I think it mathematically it'll be done. And hopefully it'll be party time uh, when you guys come to Brisbane Road on Saturday. Well, this was my this was going to be my closing comment. Hopefully, uh, you know, you guys can do it on Tuesday. Champions have a nice four days out here on the way back from Kent to East London. And uh, yeah, we'll all enjoy the party on Saturday. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, it's, it will be a party atmosphere anyway, but I don't think Richie Williams will let that go to his side's head. So if, I think even if it is done, I think he'll demand that we uh, go on to win the title. So I think the title might still be up to uh, deciding on Saturday. But I don't think Richie Williams will play a weaker team or he'll let the team up. I think he'll want to push towards you know as many points as what he can. So it'll be a great atmosphere. I mean, the ground sold out. Orient have got more tickets out of the away end. So I think another 400 tickets went on south to home fans. Uh, which sold out instantly. So it'd be a great atmosphere. You know, it's the it's the hottest ticket in East London um, for next weekend, which might sound mental, but, you know, on Twitter, everyone's after a ticket for it. It'd be a great atmosphere, and hopefully um, you can join in the celebrations and we'll make it a good game. OK, Steve, I'm going to ask you one last question and then I'll let you go. What will the score be on Saturday? Do you know what? We've, we've dropped some home points recently against teams you wouldn't expect us to. So drop points home to Colchester and Harrogate last weekend after being two up. We got full back to two all. So, I think I never like to say an Orient win because I feel like I put curses on it. So I'm going to say KG one all. I think we'll go one nil up, and then I think we'll come back into the game and might sneak a late equaliser. So I'm I'm going for one all. Okay, Steve. Uh, thank you for your time, and I'll say uh, congratulations. And hopefully Saturday uh, it'll all be over before. <laughs> Fingers crossed, buddy. Just one last thing then this week. If you're on Twitter and you follow us, then you'll know that we ran the preliminary rounds of our player of the season competition. Uh, No real surprises. We ran as ever in position-ish order. Um, Our four finalists are Arthur Oconquo, Rod McDonald, Joel Taberner and Dan Ajay. Um, The poll for the final is going to go up on Tuesday morning. I'll put it on for the full day. And as it's the final... I'll put it on Facebook as well as Twitter. So please do make sure you get involved. Have your say in our player of the season. Trevor and Alex, I was listening to you whilst I was in a minibus driving around. uh, Well, I was in Nepal a couple of weeks ago. I heard your opinions on player of the season. So I'm going to come with Steve. Out of those four, who do you think will win it? Who do you think should win it? How are you going to try and swing voters to vote in the way you think? (laughs) I'm not swinging anyone. 
the answer to the, the answer to both questions is Dan Adji. Um just sheerly because and we've touched that on the podcast, he's played every minute of of every game pretty much. Um he's what is it, thirteen he scored this season. We would be deep in the brown stuff if he wasn't in the team and ultimately he in the dark months from November to probably when we signed Nevitt, January time, he he carried that team. You know, he, he won his games at Swindon and probably the only one he did to be fair. But yeah, he he's been for me, the minutes he's played, every game he's played, the goals he's scored, the standout player of the year. Um which would tie in lovely to the podcast player of the year because the last two recipients of the award have, have left the club straight after winning the award. So, you know. That's not quite true. Chris Long won it last year and spent all of this season on the bench. Correct. Uh, sorry, sorry, on the, apologies. On the yeah. medical bench, that is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we won't mention the first one. Um, it does have a bit of a kiss of death, the award, however. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure whether we can do it again. I just feel like every time we, we win it, the person who wins it is off or something happens. Yeah. Whoever wins the club won. It's always... Because... Alluding back to what Alex says, if if you, you do well, clubs want you. And they're always going to pay more than we do. That's true. So if you want Dan actually to stay, please vote Arthur and Conquo. Uh, <laughs> the so I'm there's not the shipping swing. the trophy out to uh, Austria. <laughs> um, so there's there's the, the swing vote. Um, but yeah, there you go. Adji for me. I know, in fairness... There is an argument for concrete rod, um, but he just hasn't played his games. He got sent off at Sutton, so yeah, for me, it's Danajai. Trev, I'm fairly sure you're with that. I heard your uh, argument a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I, I, I definitely give it in. Especially when when you do look back, he, he plays every game in every minute, and yeah, he, he he's the one that I definitely go with. But like I say, it's a kiss of death, so... I'm wavering slightly from a couple of weeks ago. I think when you've looked at... When I sort of did a deep dive, McDonald has missed quite a few games to niggly and here. Obviously, he had the suspension, so he pretty much he didn't play in March. Um, so, if you look at minutes played, Dan Agi, and without Dan Agi's goals, where would we be? Um, so, yeah, I was, I was sold on McDonald a couple of weeks ago, but having... After some soul-searching... Um, I'm I'm wavering now, so I'm not quite sure which way I'm going to vote. But for me, it's a toss up between McDonald and Hadji. Yeah, I think um, I think there's four people in the final. I feel I feel confident. I know who's going to finish fourth, and I feel confident. I know who's going to finish third. And listening to this conversation, I wasn't sure about first and second, but it feels like there's been a swing, definitely on the Zoom call, maybe amongst the crew fan base as to who will win player of the season. But we'll find out on uh, on Wednesday morning. I'll run it, like I say, for 24 hours and then uh, we'll find out who wins to to go with the illustrious winners of Chris Long and some fella who I can't remember who's, I, I don't know, he's disappeared off the face of the earth, I think, that other guy. Um, that'll do us couldn't for re- this week. Couldn't reside on the South Coast. It would be interesting if Arthur was still around to see... Ah, yeah, good point, that. ...where the, the numbers would lie. However... He's in Austria. There's only one winner. Okay, that will do us for another week then. Um, Steve, Alex, Trevor, thank you for coming on today. Pleasure. Thanks for having me, Stuart. Pleasure's all mine, Stuart.
Thank you, as ever, for listening and indeed for voting. We'll be back on Monday to go through the Leighton Orient game. Until then, goodbye. Dang, 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 ding, dong, ding, blue.